careful thought to all your ways. They needed to give careful thought to how they were living and what God and through, the, through Haggai, what he was saying is you haven't been living and focusing on the things that you should have. As the people gave the careful thought to how they had been living, they realized the, the error of their ways, that they had been focusing on their own homes rather than the house of the Lord. And so then they began, the end, they began working on the temple of the Lord. They, they picked up their tools after 16 years or 15 years of leaving them on the ground, and they said, now is the time to build the temple of the Lord. And so now we're going to continue heading into that text today. Uh, students, if you've got your Bibles with you, that'll be page 1,148. Uh, if you grab a black Bible in one of the seats, it'll be page 769. And we're going to start at, uh, technically, Haggai 1, verse 15b. Okay, it's this last half. Just This is another reminder that the numbers of the verses and the chapters are not inspired by God. They were put in place there to help us understand. And in most of our Bibles, what you'll see is that section, that paragraph begins with these words from chapter one. In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? That's speaking of the temple. How does it look to you now? Does it, does it not seem to you like Nothing. Now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. When we get to the second year of King Darius on the 21st day of the seventh month, we are roughly a month after they had begun work or restarted work on the temple of the Lord. 
And the Lord, through Haggai, brings this question. Who of you is left that saw this house in its former glory? Does it not seem like nothing? It's a question that says, how does it look to you? You know, the older people among them, there maybe was a few that had seen the former glory of the temple. Since the time that these people were carried off into exile and the temple was destroyed, that was, I think, 60 years in exile. And then there was another kind of 18 years when they came back and they started and didn't work on it. How many, after 80 years or 75 years, would, would remember the former glory of the temple of Solomon? Perhaps there were a few elders among them who had witnessed the glory of that temple. And now, as those younger among them pick up the, the tools of building and begin working once again on the foundations of the temple, they seem what they seem to see what is some scattered rocks, some big stones lying in a heap. And they're beginning to take form as as the base, as the foundation for this temple. And they become sad. They knew that the temple was the, the center of their worship of God and that the, the temple of Solomon was this, this thing that was beautiful. This, this majestic, glorious structure this permanent resting place of God. They had, they had used the, the best of the materials they could find. They used the best craftsmen they could find. And, and it was covered with gold and all the furniture made of, of bronze. And there was precious stones on this temple. There was a significant attention to detail all of these things, all of the, the best things were put together for the glory of God. And, and these elders look back. And they can't help but compare the glory of the temple that was destroyed to the pile of rubble in the temple that's beginning. Last week, I briefly compared two things to somebody, and they responded to me, comparison is a thief of joy. How true is that for these people? The elders looking and comparing what was once to what now is. When they had picked up their tools, they were eager and filled with the Lord's Spirit and ready to begin work, saying, now is the time that we must rebuild the temple. 
until the thief of joy started coming in. The comparison of one temple to another, the Lord's energizing spirit was overcome with their hopelessness. The joy of the Lord's spirit seemed to just disappear as they as they compared. Perhaps they criticized their own work, saying, this isn't as good as what the other people did 80 years ago, or more than that. I think the same thing can happen in our lives too. Life can be zapped right out of us if we begin comparing ourselves to others. There's a movie my kids and I watched while we were on vacation a couple weeks ago. Uh, Hunter, you want to put up the picture? Um, it's called uh, The Mitchells versus the Machines, and this is the Mitchells family. It's a story that highlights them as they, they go through life, and they're far from perfect, as you maybe can see by the photo the dad, Rick, uh, the one driving the vehicle, uh, he has a weird quirk where he has every family member carry around a I don't know, number four Robertson square head screwdriver, and they each have their own, and they're color-coordinated for each person. They, they need to have this on them, and he makes sure that, that they do, and as you go through the movie, you find out that they don't always say the right thing to each other. They, they go through life and they often end up hurting each other's feelings. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally by talking behind one another's back. And all throughout the movie, Katie, the one right next uh, to her dad, takes video But the other thing that happens is all throughout the movie, the, the Mitchells begin to compare themselves with the posies. The posies are the picture of the, the perfect family. If the Mitchells don't get things right all the time, while well, the posies seem to have everything in order, their relationships are perfect. Everything seems perfect. They always have those Instagram-worthy photos. And as the, uh, the attack of the robots controlled by artificial intelligence happens in this movie, the posies have the perfect plan of action, and they seem like they've prepared for such a moment. And yet these perfect people get captured. And it's the weird family, the one with the number four Robertson square head screwdriver that comes to the rescue of all humanity in this attack of the robots because of their ability to adapt and their deep care for one another, even though they don't often get things right. The example of comparing ourselves to other families, other people, it's just, that's just one of the ways that we can compare 
ourselves to other people. It's just one of those ways that maybe we can feel less than, just like the Mitchells felt less than the Posies. When we see maybe a neighbor pull in with that shiny new vehicle, or maybe we see them mowing lawn with that shiny new zero-turn mower that we've had our eyes on. When we witness fellow friends from high school who seem to somehow magically enter a career and begin having success before we feel like we've even started. Or uh, a year ago, someone made a comment to me that invited comparison. They said, Steve, did you see, did you hear how many people came to this new members gathering at this one church? They didn't have enough tables and chairs. Questions people ask, the things we see seem to invite comparison. When we see those perfect family photos and our children, just like maybe one of them standing here, was sticking out their tongue during the entire time and you can't seem to get a good photo of your family, you wonder, are we doing something wrong? Are we not getting it, are we not getting it right? All those times where we're, we're presented with the opportunity to compare. Something that was better, maybe the, the temple, than what was being built, or something that seems better on the surface than what it is we have. We're faced with the opportunity and the invitation to manufacture within ourselves some aspect of disappointment for what we have been given and what lies in front of us. In the midst of that joy-robbing realization that the remnant of the people have, that the temple would not be as grand and glorious as what the old one was, perhaps they were, they were ready to throw in the towel once again and wait another 16 years before they began. Then maybe nobody would be there to remember the old temple and, and then they could build with, without a comparison. But the thing is, in the mind of the people and in the word of Scripture, the description of that temple and the gold and the bronze and the precious stone, the cedar from Lebanon, the attention to detail and the beauty of that place would always remain as an invitation to manufacture disappointment in what the Lord was calling them into. And what the Lord does in the midst of this comparison, we go to verse 4. He says, but now be strong. And if you look through, be strong. 
Zerubbabel, be strong. Joshua, be strong, all you people, and work. For I am with you. Even though the temple lies in ruins, the temple being the the area where the Lord himself dwelt in, even though the temple is not there, the presence of the Lord by way of his Spirit is. The presence of the Lord is with them. He's saying, I am still here even when you're not finished. I'm still here even when you think this won't be as glorious or as good as what the old one was. I'm still here in the midst of your disappointment and realization that it won't be as nice as the old one. I'm still here. I'm still here to give you comfort. I'm still here to give you strength. I'm still here to give you peace. It's God's presence that all throughout Scripture drives away fear. It's God's presence that all throughout Scripture gives peace. And we can look, see it all over the place. If we went to Exodus chapter 3, put that on the screen, to Moses, as Moses was going to go and and try to free his people from from slavery. In Egypt, the Lord said, I will be with you to Moses. After he was with Moses, if we went to the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, it would be the Lord that said, the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. The Lord's presence with his people. And later on in the Old Testament, all throughout actually the Old Testament, in in the book of Judges to Gideon, he says, I will be with you in what he's calling him to do. To the prophet Jeremiah, he says, I will be with you as you deliver my message to the people. All throughout the Old Testament, the Lord's presence continues. And here in Haggai, he says, even though the temple is not what you think it's going to be, I will be with you. And then comes that last verse that we looked at, where the Lord says, the glory of this present house, the one that you don't think will amount to much, the glory of this present house that you somehow are always comparing to the old one and the gold and the bronze and the precious stones and and all those things will actually be greater of that one that you thought was so grand. Don't let the comparison of the old and the new cause your joy to be robbed. Instead, trust me Because there will be coming a day where the glory of this house will be greater and more grand than you can even imagine. Though it doesn't seem perfect 
now I will use my will and make it into something that is glorious and something that will house me in my presence. If you trust me, if, if you be strong and you pick up your tools and you work, at the end of the day, you will be given peace. For I will grant peace here in this place, the Lord says. If we think, if we think back throughout all of Scripture, we would know that the temple didn't last forever. History tells us that the temple would once again be destroyed. The, the second temple, the one that wasn't as glorious as the first that everyone thought, but still housed the presence of the Lord and brought peace and comfort to His people, it would be destroyed. If you went to Jerusalem today, you would, you would go look for the temple and you would see other buildings in its place. But you would see some devout Jews standing by a wall, the, the foundations, maybe the very foundations that these people built, praying to the Lord. That's it. All you'd find is the foundations. And yet, even though you'd only find the foundations, the Lord's word here in Haggai stands true because His presence continues to be with His people and it doesn't require a holy of holies to do so. From the book of John, we read about how God sent His Son to move into the neighborhood, so to speak. The very presence of God, fully human and fully divine, coming to live among people. The word says to tabernacle among them. It was Jesus who was present he was present with people during those difficult and hard times. It was Jesus who brought peace where there was once anxiety. It was Jesus that brought healing where there was bleeding or loss of eyesight or loss of ability to walk. It was Jesus who would restore the blind Restore the lame, restore the broken hearted. It was Jesus who would wake people from their slumber, so to speak, bringing them back from the dead. It was Jesus who brought his presence to all the people that felt overlooked, unappreciated, perhaps even hated by others. And it was Jesus who said to the disciples in Matthew 28, verse 20, and surely I am with you always. The presence of God with you always, even to the very end of the age. Think as 
far as you can in the future, and no matter what happens to that temple, I am with you because I'm sending my advocate to you. I'm sending you the Spirit. No longer will you need that temple, for you are my temple. So it's Jesus that meets with us. When we're faced with those opportunities to manufacture disappointment by comparing ourselves or our family or what He's given us to something that someone else has, Jesus meets us right there. He, he meets us in our feelings of inadequacy. He meets us with his presence and says, no matter what else is happening in your life, find joy in me. Find joy in your relationship with me and in what, what I've given you. His presence meets us that, that we would be continually encouraged that we would be continually strengthened as we go throughout all our days here on earth. He, he meets us in the, the face of everything that seems to be going wrong, and he says, I, I give you my peace. Not just a feeling for a moment in time when your kids are quiet in the morning and you're drinking coffee and listening to the birds. Not that type of peace. Not this silence. But a peace that invades all of our life. A peace that recognizes that, that our soul, that our, our mind and body belong completely to God. That our entire being has been saved by Him for the purpose that He set forth and that He's going to empower us and strengthen us even when we feel like we won't make it. It's an everlasting peace that lasts to the very end of the age. It's an everlasting peace that comes from Jesus, sending the Spirit, saying, I will be with you always. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and thank Him for that. Lord, we thank You that You, you met the remnant in those moments of comparison, that You met them in their moment of weakness. And that you too meet us in every aspect of our life desiring to energize us, desiring to have your Spirit meet the very need that we have at that moment to bring peace where there's anxiety, to bring love and care when we feel unworthy. 
to bring grace and forgiveness when we've done something wrong. Continually remind us of Your presence that we would be strong and that we would accept Your peace. A peace that passes all under understanding that we have in this world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us rise together in body or spirit as we sing verses 1, 2, and 5 of the church's one foundation. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. He is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood. actually go every morning that we wake up, the Lord's presence by the power of the Spirit goes with us. And he, he gives us these words as we go throughout all of our life. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his everlasting peace. Go in that peace to love and serve the Lord.